You are now listening to Vibe Selection with Kyra, where you can get the real on today's hot topics. Well, welcome, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. I am your host, Kyra, and on today's episode, to start off Women's History Month, I have a very important figure in fashion. She has paved the way for a lot of you new fashionistas out there, Miss Andrea Serrano. How are you today? Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Kyra. This is uh, an honor. I love your podcast and I I love sharing my story. Absolutely. Thank you for being on. So you're a a fashion curator, you're a creative director, you're a producer. I mean, there's nothing that you do not do. Your resume is impeccable, you know, and it's awesome to have you on to start off the Women's History Month because you are definitely one of those prominent figures within why we celebrate our women's history. So, but before we get started, I do want to know, what are you wearing today? What do we have on? Um, This is actually my friend's company called Lilla P. She's from Charleston. So I live here in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, But she lives in New York. Her brand is in New York. And it's just like a kimono with a matching. It looks like pajamas. So (laughs) they're fashion pajamas. It's a kimono with matching pants and a matching top. So I want to be comfortable, but stylish at the same time. Absolutely. Well, you look great. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you guys started and where you're actually from. Okay. Well, I grew up in Orlando, Florida and in the nineties and I moved to, I always wanted to be in fashion. I thought that I wanted to be a fashion designer. I didn't know what the jobs were out there. So I just thought, well, I guess I'm going to be a fashion designer and found out that there was a college in Miami that offered fashion merchandising. And at the time it was called the International Finance College. It's now the Arts Institute of Miami. And it was a very small college. And I took a styling class and just it opened up a whole new world to me. I really connected with the teacher and he took me under his wings. His name is Danny Santiago. And I interned with him at the time. He was like the um, fashion stylist for MTV Latino. So MTV Latino was based in Miami on Lincoln Road and they broadcast all over South America and Central America. And basically like any, so we would dress all the VJs back in the day when MTV actually showed music videos. I have to like rewind because MTV is all about the reality shows. Um, So they used to have, you know, VJs introducing the newest um, music videos. And then they would also have musical artists who were touring, who were coming to town, who um, maybe came through our department, who needed some styling and things like that. And so it really opened up my eyes. And he was um, just so, he is so talented. He's still doing it. He's actually doing costume design now too. And we did a lot of things. He was also a contributing fashion editor to um, Ocean Drive magazine. We worked on catalogs for Saks Fifth Avenue. We did all kinds of stuff. And so um, he really opened up my eyes to this world where it was like my dream, basically like shooting on location, beautiful, high-end, everything from like high-end couture clothing to vintage clothing, which is my thing. I like to be eclectic. I like to mix high and low. I think if you can wear vintage and wear it well, it could look like a million bucks. You know, it's all how you style it. And so he really opened up my eyes and I, he was just such a, you know, and he is a kind, gentle soul. And, you know, there is this 
thing in fashion where you just think that everybody, it's very cutthroat. There's a lot of snobbery and that's not the case. You know, some of the people who are really good at their job are just really good people, you know? And so anyways, I worked with him for more than um, a few years moved up to New York because I knew at some point if I was going to be serious in fashion, um, I'd have to go to New York. So my school was a two-year college. And so I went up to New York after school was done. And I interned with Harper's Bazaar magazine at the time um, just to make some connections and everything. And they didn't have a position in the fashion department open. So I took a position in the photo department, which was actually great because that's like the nerve center of a magazine. That's where they book the location, the photographer, the models, the everything. And that's pretty much what I do now as a producer is like I cast the models, find the location, book the photographer, video and public clothes, all of that stuff. So it was great training. Um, and while I was interning there, I got an opportunity to work for another stylist who was a celebrity stylist. And it was like, it was great, but it was like the devil wears Prada. You know, it was yeah. fashion boot camp. That's all I can say. Okay, okay. <laughs> and my name is Andrea. So it was lots of Andreas. Um, <laughs> so it was a great experience. Sometimes the hardest experiences are when you learn the most, right? Mm -hmm. And when you can take away the most. And so for that year, I mean, we did everyone from Janet Jackson. We had the opportunity to work with her on her Velvet Rope Tour doing publicity pictures. So we went to Milan. We went to London. We dressed her for the VMAs at that point. You know, all of her publicity stuff. This was um, 94. No, 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 no. Sorry. 90, probably like 96, 1996. Um, nasty. <laughs> yes, yes. And like, she was my icon growing up. Like, I just, I, I couldn't believe at the moment. It's a job is a job, you know? So it wasn't like I was fangirling on set. It was very professional, but it was just, it was those pinch me moments. Like, I can't believe I'm working with this person right now. Yeah. Um, we worked with Victoria's Secrets on, you know, a photo shoot and also commercial shoot with some big photographers. I mean, we did a lot of stuff, Christy Brinkley, Cindy Crawford. And um, I just, I knew when it was time for me to leave, it was a kind of an unhealthy environment. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just knew it was my time to leave. And I got a lot of experience and, and we left on good terms, which was great because he was kind of known to go through assistance fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would just freelance and pick up, you know, I was working on my portfolio. You know, the ultimate goal was obviously to be my own stylist. But as a stylist, you need to work up to that point. So it's about networking and, you know, fostering good relationships with, at, with people at showrooms because you're pulling thousands of dollars worth of merchandise. And these people want to know that they're going to get it back, right? Yes, that right. you're not shady. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it takes years to build these relationships. So as I was assisting this guy and freelancing and stuff like that, I was able to build all of these relationships. And during that time of freelancing, um, Danny Santiago, would he was still based in Miami, would come up to New York and do these jobs, these big jobs, and ask me if I wanted to you know, uh, a system. And I was like, of course. So we were working with JLo and Sex and the City, the cast of Six and the City. And with JLo, we styled her for her first album before anybody knew that she could sing. You know, she was just acting at the time. And that was a pretty big deal. This was on the six. And then after that, we styled her for Premiere Magazine. And it was just 
lots of really big jobs that I was grateful to be on. Um, and then we, I almost worked with Prince. It was this close. I was, oh girl. I mean, if you work with Prince, my heart would sink right now, but what happened? What happened? What happened? Okay. So this is the deal. So, um, sometimes celebrities are super, super private and he is very private. Um, and basically we knew he was bringing his own clothes. Um, but he needed a stylist on set to make sure everything looked good, steam his outfit, bring accessories. So our job was also, there was some prep work. So we were pulling jewelry and accessories and things like that. And so we had the studio all set up. We were at the photographer's studio and he walks in. Mm-hmm. And he, I'm kind of short, you know, I'm five, four and he was shorter than me. So we walked in, <laughs> took a look around and what's that? He had the little heels on. The little he had the heels on. I <laughs> <laughs> see boots. So, um, he walked in and then he walked out and then his bodyguard came in and he was like, you know, we need it to be a closed set. Anybody who doesn't need to be here needs to leave. So mm-hmm. me and the photo assistants had to leave. And so it was just Danny and the photographer. And I totally respect that. But my heart dropped a little bit because, I mean, Prince is like an icon. Legendary. Yes. Yeah. No better than that. <laughs> the moment was brief. But, um, you know, it, it's a job, right? You know, it's, it's, it's a dream job, but it's a lot of work. You know, what people see in, you know, magazines, online, on TV, is one thing, but all the work that leads up to it is a lot. It takes weeks of planning and prepping and all of that stuff. And I really do respect anybody who works in the entertainment industry, whether it's film or music or fashion, it really, it takes a lot. And, um, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity because you get to create with all these other amazingly creative, um, souls and you create beautiful imagery. And it was just, New York was a wonderful experience. So I was there for about eight years, mm-hmm. fell in love. Actually, my husband, Gustavo was also in the same industry. He was um, a fashion editor for Stuff Magazine, which was owned by Maxim Magazine. Mm-hmm. So we worked together a little bit, but actually Danny introduced us in Miami like years before. Mm-hmm. Anyways, fell in love and just figured out like New York wasn't the end all. It wasn't a place that I wanted to raise a family and I wanted to be close to my family in Charleston. Mm-hmm. So moved down here about 17 years ago and knew I couldn't come here looking for a job. I didn't think that there was much of any kind of production happening. So me and my husband had the idea of opening up a store. So Charleston's first streetwear boutique, we we like brought the city to Charleston uh, and was called Bazaar. And it was on kind of like the up and coming area of King Street. Mm-hmm. And we had that for about five years. And then we had Charleston's first sneaker boutique called Sweet Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and we opened that the day the stock market crashed, um, September 2008. So it's pretty much like opening up a store the day the world gets shut down during COVID. So how was that? Okay, what what, what was the experience like where the stock market is crashing? You have this new boutique up and going and you're just kind of I'm sure you're just thinking, OK, well, what are we going to do, you know? We just, it it was the unknown. We were like, we, we, um, we got to just figure it out. And thankfully we had the customer base of our other store kind of like coming. We were definitely off the beaten path with our, um, sneaker store, Sweet Soul. So we were like, depending on our other store, Bazaar for people to come and it was lots of word of mouth. Now this is before social media was 
where it is today. Mm-hmm. Facebook was just for college kids. There was no Instagram. There was no, maybe Twitter was around. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And so there was really no social media support that people have now. Mm-hmm. Um, we were selling whatever didn't sell in the store, we would put on eBay and we would flip it on eBay like nobody's business because um, maybe the economy wasn't doing great in America, but in Asia and Europe, their economy was doing great. And they were ordering, you know, all kinds of sneakers from us. We had limited edition Nike and Adidas, you know, stuff that most, you know, places couldn't get stores, couldn't get in in the state of South Carolina, pretty much. We were the only sneaker boutique. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it wasn't enough, you know, if we had Instagram and we were really pushing that social media agenda, I think that it would survive during that time. But obviously things weren't meant to be. We were meant to have those stores for that time and meet those people um, and really be a part of the community and and learn a lot. Um, But we weren't meant to have it forever. So when we closed both of the stores, I had contacted um, a costume designer who used to shop with us who worked for Army Wives. Um, Army Wives was a TV show that was on Lifetime um, for several years. You know, they had, uh, it was like their number one rated show at the time. And so I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I'm looking for a job in the costume department. I don't even know if you're hiring or what I could do, but I'd love to work with you. And it was perfect timing because she was hiring all of her people and she was looking for a costume shopper. So this really was like the closest thing as far as me being a stylist that I could, you know, qualify for. So pretty much, you know, I got a company card. I shopped five days a week, six months out of the year. It was pretty amazing. And um, even though I had a job, I mean, I had a boss. I wasn't like an environment where there was this hierarchy and um, I was kind of on my own. Like everybody else was on set or they were in the studio. Right. And I was just out there talking to people, meeting people, hustling this and that. And it was a great learning experience because film is so different than even working on commercials and, and photo, because you have to think about the, emotion, like the scene, what is this person going through? Her husband just died in Iraq and, and, you know, what is she wearing? And so you really have to think about the psychological aspect of how you're dressing this person. And that was really good experience for me. Um, and of course you learn things like, oh, you have to get doubles of things because there's going to be an explosion. And so we need to have something for the stunt double and three for, you know, this actor and all of that. So just the logistics and the ins and outs of the film industry was very interesting. And so do you have any questions so far? Yeah. So actually I want to take it back a little bit. Okay. So what inspired you to want to get into fashion? What inspired your love for fashion? I just always love clothing. Um, I love shopping. I remember growing up when I was little, like loving to go shopping with my mom. Uh, you know, setting up a fake store in the living room. So I'd go in my parents' closet and I'd pull out everything and set up like a fake store in the living room and sell their clothes back to them. And I just, I always had this love affair of, of fashion and, and reading magazines like Vogue and Seventeen and Cosmopolitan and just being like, it was just such a fantasy to me. Like at that time, Orlando was kind of a small city and there was there wasn't like a fashion scene there, but I just felt like I connected with fashion, whether I saw it in a store or in a magazine. Mm -hmm. 
So when you got the internship for MTV Latino assisting the wardrobe stylist, what was the experience like for you? What did you think? Because that was that was kind of like your first big gig, right? Yes. Experience like. It was amazing. While I walk in, I was definitely like intimidated because I walk in and it's like this huge room with racks and racks of clothes, amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of working in fashion is, is just, it's about the energy and the personality, you know, it's like, you can only learn so much in school and it isn't until you're kind of thrown in these situations and you have to deal with a lot of different personalities. You have to deal with divas. You have to deal with people who seem very confident on the outside, but actually very self-conscious on the inside, a lot of different personalities. And so, um, it was a little intimidating at first, but like I said, Danny was just, um, he is such an amazing guy and just was very patient and soft-spoken and um, took me under his wings and just knew that this was, everything was like a first for me. I was very green um, and and not all stylists are like that and have patience like that. And so he, he gave me a lot of opportunity to grow and I thank him for that. Yeah, so how did you deal with situations where someone's being a diva or a divo or stressful situations. How do you how did you cope with that? Well, it's funny because the people that I had to actually style weren't divas. It was the personalities of the crew on set, whether it was like a photographer or a stylist that I was assisting. And you just have to, you know, it's a job, right? You have to be professional at all times. You have to be a problem solver. You have to be strategic. You have to think quick on your feet. There is no room to be emotional about anything or take things personal. And, you know, I, I did a lot of growing because of that. You know, a lot of people aren't thrown into those situations. You know, some people go to an office every day and it's a very controlled environment. And for me, every job was so different. I didn't know where on location I was going to be shooting with who the people I was going to be shooting with. Sometimes you like shoot with regular crews, Mm -hmm. you know, the same crew on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. but that's not always guaranteed. So you have to be able to adapt and pivot and much like what's happening right now or in 2020, you just kind of have to roll with it, you know, because otherwise you're not going to survive. So, okay. When you're working for these major brands and you're doing these campaigns and you're doing these editorials for vibe and Rolling Stone and paper magazine and Maybelline and L'Oreal and all these things, what goes into the creative process of this when it, when you're a stylist working on these shoots? Okay. So the first thing is usually like a, they call it a pre pro meeting, which is a pre-production meeting. And so you discuss what is the direction, you know, usually there's like a mood board that's presented of, you know, the look and feel, maybe there's clothing references, maybe there's lighting references, hair and makeup references. So, you know, having a clear plan on the visual and what the end result you want it to be is very important with the planning process. And that kind of just, narrows it down for me, what kind of clothing I'm going to be pulling, what kind of accessories I'm going to be pulling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the biggest thing is just the the preparation of the photo shoot in the beginning. Um, and that kind of sets the tone of, you know, everybody wants to 
for it to be a successful photo shoot. Right. Mm -hmm. But things do kind of get, there's wrenches that get thrown in. There's, um, you know, factors that are beyond your control that get thrown in that you have to just be quick. And like I said, just, um, troubleshoot as best as you can. Um, and sometimes it, the end result is not what you thought in the beginning, but it, it, everything works out in the end. Right. Mm-hmm. It always does. So that's why I don't stress um, because if it's out of your control and you did your best, then this is probably what was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good point that you made. Um, in a lot of situations when it comes to stressful environments, like how you were working in, on these like photo shoots and these editorial spreads, it's very like high strung, very stressful. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people sometimes get a little too in their head about things. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it is just a job. It's yeah. important to do your job to the best of your abilities, but don't over, don't overdo it. Don't overthink it. Just go with the flow. Whatever will happen will happen and it will all play itself out. So, yeah. We used to always say, you know, that when there was drama or something that came up, it's like, it's not rocket science, right? It's like, we're not saving the world here. It's a photo shoot and it's closed. So why are we like killing ourselves over it? So. At the end of the day, it's true. It's a job. Yeah. And it's fashion, you know? It's yeah. Fun. You gotta have fun with it. Absolutely. So, okay. What are some favorite designers that you like to wear? Who are some of your favorite designers? Oh my gosh. Well, mama's on a budget. I'm not li- like the money that I spend on my kids. I could add a million like designer bags and shoes. So, um, well, I have to give a shout out. Okay. So I like... For me, for my personal style, my lifestyle, I like clothing that is versatile. Mm-hmm. Uh, versatility is so important for me. The feeling, the touch, if it feels good, then I want to wear it. I never want to be unco- uncomfortable. So I work very closely with a brand called Morph Clothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the designer has uh, created a dress. I'll send you a link afterwards that you can wear over 60 different ways. It's oh. pretty amazing. Oh. It turns... Yes, yes. You need one, Kyra. I do. I do. <laughs> you know, I'm stuck in the house all day and wearing the same damn thing. So I need something that I can be versatile with. So, yes. <laughs> so this is great because you can lit- so you can wear it as a also as a top and a skirt. And so the sleeves turn into like halter neck straps. So oh. you can do like a Grecian one shoulder. You can do a crisscross halter. You could do a regular halter. It's unbelievable. So if you're on a Zoom, so say you're just like lounging at home, working on your computer and you have it like long sleeves mm-hmm. and then you want to jump on a Zoom, but you want to look really cute and put together, you could do a one shoulder or you could do the goddess style or a halter. And it's all about like the chest up, right? So you want to have interest here. Like I love what you're wearing with the turtleneck and the little like cold shoulder thing detail. I think that's so cool. You know, you got to have fun with fashion. So that's the first thing that comes to mind as I'm looking at my, I have like an extended closet in my den of like a rack of clothes that are like my Mm go-to. And I just, you know, I'm not stuck to one label. Like I said, I love vintage. Mm -hmm. I love to mix it up. There's like a local store here called Portal and they've got like, um, you know, pre-love clothes and it's high end, it's vintage, it's everything. I would say my style is very eclectic. Mm-hmm. And um, I have this saying because style is individual, right? And, and especially in the world that we live in right now, um, 
you can't, it's hard to like follow all the trends because it's coming and it's going so fast. Mm -hmm. And instead of following trends, I follow my instinct. That's my thing. Like I wake up and what do I feel like wearing today? What is my mood and everything? And so I think that's important as an individual, like when you're trying to find your personal style and what you feel comfortable in, you know, don't try to compare yourself with everyone else. You know, that comparison game on social media could be a buzzkill. For some of us, so it could be inspiration, but it could also be like this comparison thing. So just be mindful of that. Absolutely. So why do you feel like fashion is such a revolving door when it comes to style trends? Because I know for a while the vintage thing was kind of in and then the whole 90s thing was kind of back in style. So why is it that fashion is such a revolving uh, trend? I think, honestly, they're running out of ideas. (laughs) That too, because I'm like, I mean, not to say that these aren't great style trends, but I'm like, why is it always like that? It's just like, this is in style, everybody's wearing it and then you don't see it anymore, you know? Like how, you know, how often can you invent the wheel, right? It is what it is. And unless you're like coming up with a new style of pants that you've never seen before and, and think about it, like it's, you know, fashion comes in cycles. So every 20 years it comes back around, but like safe for fall, you know, it's like the seventies are back. Well, the seventies were back two years ago. Actually, I don't think the seventies ever left, Yeah, you know? So I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. You know, what's going on in the world, the economy, you know, people are playing it safe. People are, are at home more. It's all about, you know, comfort and loungewear, but people still want to look together. Right. Mm-hmm. So right now there's this whole like Athflow, Athlux thing where you want to be comfortable, but you also want to look put together and polished. So I think what's going on in the world really dictates how people are dressing. But on the other spectrum, I think people are just sick of wearing yoga pants all the time, right? Yeah. They want to look cute again. Exactly. And you can only pair something with yoga pants for so long. You know what I'm saying? You got to think, yeah. think outside of the box, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to get into this segment and I call this the Vibe Selection Fashion Burn Book. So for you, what would you say is the style trend that you would burn? You hate it. You never want to see it again. No one should ever wear it. What would be in your fashion burn book? Oh, my God. Well, you know, a trend that's coming back and it's not for everybody. I can't say I would. um, This is a no, no for everybody. But like, okay, I grew up in the 90s and the rave days. It was all about the the baggy pants and the baggy jeans or the crop tops. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm 45. I'm not wearing a midriff top with some baggy jeans. It is just not cute. So um, I don't know. For me, that's my personal burn book thing. Like I can wear like boyfriend jeans, but I'm not wearing oversized baggy jeans ever again. And it's not flattering for everybody. Yeah. So I would say, mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. But I would say for me, I remember there is this uh, one fashion trend and I want to say the early 2000s. This is probably when Juvenile had backed that ass up or something. And and everybody was wearing these um, jean fits. So you had the jean jacket, you had the jean pants and then you would pair it with a top. And there used to be this place in Oakland, in the Bay Area in California where I live. And it was a swap meet. And you could go in there and get all types of stuff, hair products, whatever you want. And yeah. it was the thing. Everybody was buying these 
horrible jean fits. My mom had them. My brother had them. I had them. We were like a whole family full of like jean fits. And oh then you know, everybody used to go to a little mall and take the little pictures with the little backgrounds and stuff like that. So you had all these people taking pictures in these damn jean fits. And it was horrible. It was oh, my gosh. And it's probably back too. You know, yeah, yeah it would. I think it needs to be gone and stay gone. That would be in my fashion burn book for sure. I know, I know. It kind of is in the same category. I think as like baggy jeans. I don't know. It just doesn't. You want your butt to look cute, right? Or kind of cute. I do. I want it to look fabulous. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So why hide it and have like a pancake ass? I don't know. That's not like cute to me. Not flattering at all. So, okay, this gets me into another question. So mm-hmm. I hear from a lot of curvy women who are slimming away, a little thick in the hips and stuff like that, that are looking for a nice style trend for plus size people. So what would you say are some go-tos for people that are a little fuller figured? Yeah. Style trends or fashions or brands. So I think it depends on your personal style, right? Cause I can see like a curvy woman rocking a body conscious dress and owning it and looking great. Or if you're a little bit more modest and you want to kind of camouflage certain parts of your body, I think it's all about like focusing on something. Maybe it's your waist. That's the smallest part of your body. So maybe you want something that kind of like is more fuller that, that like is nipped at the waist. So it's a little tighter around the waist and it goes out a little bit, you know, whether it's a skirt or a dress, I think dresses are the most flattering, you know, and unless you're really good, you know, you find a pair of pants that fit you well, that has stretch stretch is definitely key when it comes to curvy bodies for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you never want to go too tight, right? If you want to do body conscious, you don't want your underwear showing, your spank showing. So if you're going to do that look, make sure that you have the right undergarments and that you don't go too body conscious. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's two school of thoughts. Either you really highlight that body or you flatter what you want and kind of camouflage what you don't want. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because sometimes people want to show everything. Like I see some women and they want to show their breasts and then they want to show their butt and it's just like all hanging out where they're kind of looking you know, like a stripper or something. And it's a little hoochie mama. And see, that's the thing. It's it's all about balance. You know, if you're showing the cleavage, you don't want your dress hiked up. You know, you don't want too much leg and so much cleavage. Mm. Pick one thing that you want to feature because then it's like, oh my God, that's a lot of look. Mm. You got to really like pick one feature that you want to show off and run with it. Yeah, because like your eyes are zooming everywhere. Every body. <laughs> so, okay, working in fashion, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of different style trends. There's a lot of expectations and stuff. Did you ever feel or see how there was a lot of pressure to look a certain way when it came to fashion, to be very slim? Because you see a lot of the models and they're very skinny and they're not always a, what you see on TV isn't always a representation of every type of woman. So do you feel in your experience that you've seen a lot of like body issues when it came to fashion amongst people? That you um, nothing that I really saw maybe behind the scenes. Like I worked with some models that were like crazy skinny, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know like their personal life. I didn't work with them enough to know like if they were bulimic or anorexic or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's very like when you see a model model who is, I mean, they're basically like an alien, right? They're like five foot, 10, 11. They're like 110 pounds. They're a size zero. Like this is not normal proportions. If you're 5'10", you might be a size 10, 12 and a size 30 waist. And so, um, you know, a lot of these girls, I mean, that's just like their body type and, and they're 15 years old. So, you know, metab- their metabolism is very high and everything. Um, there is definitely pressure. Like I've definitely worked with some models who had just had a baby and it was like their first photo shoot having a, after having a baby and they're super self-conscious. To me, I felt like they look great. But for them and their model standard and what they're used to, they were not happy with their body. Um, And that's a shame. You know, as women, we have to give ourselves grace. You know, sometimes we are our worst enemy and we just find the faults instead of, you know, the good things about us. And I, I don't know why. I don't know if it's society. I don't know if it's like childhood stuff, but we need to let go of all of that, you know, because it's just wasted energy. You need to just embrace who you are. If, if you want to, you know, tone up, get skinny, lose weight or whatever, you know, you go on that path, but embrace yourself in every stage. Don't just rush to get there and not love the person that you are today. I think that's something that we all need to work on for sure. Yeah. And I definitely would say it's definitely something that's societal. You know, society has these expectations, especially in fashion of what people should look like. And so you have a lot of people that become very body conscious and self-conscious about how they look because it's like, I don't look like that. What's wrong with me? Or eager to go to the plastic surgeon to get work done because they're not really happy within themselves. Not saying that there's anything wrong with people going and getting plastic surgery. I I say if, you know, it's something that you want to change and it makes you feel happy about that, go ahead and do it. It's up to you. But I don't think that people should do it because it's a societal norm Mm -hmm. or expectation. So. I think that the narrative has changed too with social media Mm -hmm. and the consumers are the ones who are actually setting the tone instead of like the brands, like telling you what to wear and what you should look like, you know? So there's more inclusivity when it comes to um, sizes, to ethnicities and stuff like that. I really love that there's more of this kind of like open inclusivity that's happening because this is the real world. I think that the average female size in America is like a size eight, 10. But yet you see these models who are size zero and that's just not realistic, right? And even with age too, there's a lot of ageism too, where it's like this clothing brand is clearly geared towards women who are in their 50s and 60s, but the models are in their 20s and 30s, Exactly. you know? So I think it's slowly changing and you see brands like Fenty where it's like, all different women of every size. And and these are brands that are really being successful right now Mm -hmm. because people can identify with them. So if you're a curvy girl and you see a curvy model wearing something, I think you're going to want to buy that. You know, you can identify with that person. So um, I think the last few years with um, social media and the way the world is going, it's definitely changed. And I hope it keeps on going that way. Mm -hmm. And so we're on a perfect topic right now because I want to get into a little bit of branding. And I know that's something that you kind of help to do as well. And I want to say, do you feel like social media 
plays a huge part in someone branding themselves? Do you feel like it is something that everybody needs to look to if you want to brand and market your yourself? 110% for sure. You need to, you know, not everybody can be like this uh, professional blogger with beautiful imagery all the time. I think right now it's about the story. Okay. What is your story? Uh, people want to buy products or their services from another person, not from a company that's faceless, right? You want to be able to connect with that person. So video is very important, you know, having, you know, professional imagery, you know, I'm, I'm teaming up actually with a local um, photographer here called Serena. She goes by Anaris Photography and this is what she does. You know, she captures beautiful photography for brands and she shoots their products and she shoots them and all of that stuff. And I think sometimes as a business owner, Owner, you are working so in your business, not on your business, where you're just thinking, I've got to make these earrings, I've got to make this soap, you know, and, and you just never know when that magazine or the Today Show is knocking on your door and it's like, I need professional pictures. Can you send this to me? And if you don't have that arsenal, like you're missing out on opportunity. So you need to invest in yourself as a brand, you know, whether you are launching a brand or you're rebranding, you know, you need to have, you know, those professional pictures, you know, if video is your thing, you need to have video. I think all of those are so important to tell the story about your brand and promote yourself. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So what was the most memorable experience that you had working for either an editorial spread, either for a photo shoot or just in fashion in general? What is the most memorable experience that you've had this far? So I have to just remember, OK, there's, so there's two of them and I'm just referencing recent things that have happened um, in the past, you know, few months is um I work, so I do a lot of uh, charity work here in Charleston, being a part of the community and giving back is very important for me. Mm -hmm. So I do this charity fashion show called the Pink Promenade. Um, and it's to help women with breast cancer, uh, Roper St. Francis Breast Can Cancer Center. So, you know, women who maybe can't afford treatment and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so all the models are breast cancer survivors. Yeah. Um, and just hearing their stories and, their, and, you know, what they went through and they're here still alive to tell that story is a very powerful thing. So, you know, some people think that clothing and fashion is superficial. And for me, it goes deeper than that because I'm working with these people, um, whether I'm touching their lives or they're touching my life and I'm inspired and I'm feeling grateful for my life, you know, that I'm healthy and everything. Like it's definitely a very reciprocal thing. And for these women who are not used to, you know, having a glam squad, getting all styled out and everything, this is such a treat for them. So like I feed off of that energy. So, you know, I've worked with a lot of celebrities, but these are the jobs that really stand out for me. You know, these are the women who don't get this kind of treatment all the time and really appreciate it and, and feel beautiful from the inside out. Those are my favorite kind of jobs. Um, I did the same with Walmart a couple of years ago. They had a... Um, a campaign called We Dress America. Mm -hmm. And so they picked three stylists nationwide 
to um, dress real life Walmart customers like in the store. It was like this pop up that we were doing and they got their hair and makeup done and they got styled by me and they got to keep their outfit and they got a photo shoot. And it was like these people had it was like an ambush makeover. They came you know, they came to go grocery shopping or to buy, you know, plants or something. And they were like, oh, what's going on over here? And they got pulled into our little world and they just felt like a million bucks. You know, it's jobs like that that are very rewarding. I've seen those pictures. They looked amazing. Yeah. The, there's a major difference in them before and after. You definitely hooked them up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for, I think for me um, and where I'm at, I've been doing this for 25 years, you know, and um, I'm the type of person where I get bored easily. Mm-hmm. So it really has to be something that is still exciting and engaging for me. Mm-hmm. And my job has evolved more. You know, I'm doing production work where I'm heavily involved in casting the models and the creative direction and all of that stuff. And I do TV and event hosting. I do a little DJing on the side. Um, I'm kind of like this word has been thrown out a lot recently, um, Mm multi-passionate. I didn't know what it was before. I, I knew I, you know, like doing different things, but now there's like a word for it. And now I feel better about it because, you know, I was just like, should I, should I just do one thing? Which, but I love doing this and I love doing that. And it all kind of like feeds into one another, right? It's like, if you're creative, you're creative, whether you're dealing with, um, you know, someone on a photo shoot or on TV or DJing event or whatever, like it all is kind of like the same creative energy, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So did you ever DJ at one of these fashion parties? Did you, did you ever do any of that? Did you, how, how are the fashion parties, by the way? I'm sure there's a bunch of beautiful... So, there's not much parties happening over here. Um, <laughs> Charleston is pretty open, I think, comparatively speaking to the rest of the world. But there's no major, um, you know, big events happening. Um, although there is an event... There's safe things happening that are social distance, that are outside. So this Thursday, I'm actually DJing an event called Lip Sync for Lungs. Um, my mother had breast, the, had lung cancer when I was younger and passed away, um, and she never smoked. And so I've been really connected to the American Lung Association here in um, Charleston, and we do this event called Lip Sync for Lungs every year where we have different celebrity per- performers um, compete and raise money. It's kind of like a lip sync battle battle format, you know, with LL Cool J. And so the first year I was a performer and I was Prince. I went in drag. It's a whole thing. I was purple rain with the purple trench coat and the facial hair and all of that. I'll send you a picture. <laughs> um, so anyways, these people are my family. I call them my lip sync family. And so I volunteered to DJ like the pre-show. And so that's this Thursday. It's going to be outside and it's going to be social distancing. It's going to be like a drive-in movie kind of format. So I'm really excited for that because there really hasn't been much of anything happening. Yeah. And you you do a lot of chari- charitable work. And I know you also give back to the Low Country Orphan Relief as well. And you mentor people as well. So what is the most important thing about doing giving back for you? What is yeah. important? It, it, it's so important. I think as a business owner, it's like, what is your legacy? What are you, um, what are you about? You know, you've got to give back to your community. Your community is shopping with you. They're buying your services. They're hiring you. So it's up to you to give back to your community. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great quote by, 
uh, Muhammad Ali, and it goes, service to others is the rent that you pay here on earth. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. You know, when you give back, I, I don't do this to get back anything. You know, it's like, I just pay it forward. And, you know, I'm happy to see people in a better position or make a connection. Um, you do get back tenfold. You know, you all, it always comes back around, you know, karma, karma is a very real thing. And for me, um, I also want to give back in a mentorship way. So uh, I'm a part of the Be a Mentor program here in Charleston. And my mentee is Genesis. And she is in eighth grade and she wants to be a fashion designer. And so she is trying out for a fashion design program at this high school here, School of the Arts. And so I've been mentoring her and she's been practicing like her illustrations and making things. And she She's going to be big, whether she does fashion design or something in the entertainment industry. She just has a clear vision of what she wants to do and how she's going to do it. So for me, I've had mentors when I was coming up and it's important for me to give back in that way. I want to make sure the next generation is set up for success. Like, why wouldn't I give that back if I have the skill set, if I have that experience? So that is very important for me. And that's a good point that you made because, you know, sometimes I've noticed that people, when they get to a certain level of success, they don't always want to give back and they want to keep the knowledge of how they got there for themselves. And Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like, but why not share that work? You needed someone to help you to get to where you were. So why wouldn't you give back to somebody else? So what are some tips that you would give another little aspiring fashionista that wants to get into the fashion industry, but doesn't really know how they can get their foot through the door? Yeah. So my biggest thing is um, doing an internship, you know, finding out, um, you know, not every city is going to have fashion designers that are plenty or things like that. Maybe it's a local boutique that you really like Mm -hmm. and you start out, you know, if if you're in high school, maybe you can get a job there. You know, if if you do have a position where, you know, you can work for a designer, do an internship there. Maybe it's a fashion PR firm, you know, things like any way where you can get into the industry. Um, And even if you think, oh, I want to be a fashion designer, but there's no one, you know, that I could really internship with, but there's uh, like a, a fashion or a marketing firm. You're going to need to know all those things. If you're a business owner, you're going to need to know how to market your product and sell it. So I'd say, you know, take as many opportunities as you can, even if you think that it's not like a direct connection to what you want to do career wise, you also don't know who you're going to meet. And it's very important to network in this industry of fashion. It really is all who, you know, and most likely the intern is going to get hired before some person off the street that is kind of entry level. So just, you know, do the internships network volunteer. If there's like, fashion shows that are happening, volunteer. You've got to put in the work. Mm -hmm. So with you being a business owner, a blogger, creative director, Mm -hmm. I mean, you wear all of these hats. What is some things that you've learned from this pandemic as far as being an entrepreneur? Do you feel like it's kind of hindered you a little bit in your growth, being able to expand your brand a lot? Or do you feel like you've had time to kind of like reevaluate the direction that you want to take it? 
to the last thing you said last year was definitely a time where, you know, I had a couple months where I had a couple clients where I was able to work at home, but you know, the majority of time I'm usually on set. Right. And there was no photo shoots that were happening in March and, and, um, April. And so I really had the time actually all of last year to do some self-reflecting and think about like, you know, like I said before, instead of working in my business, working on my business, Mm -hmm. how can I improve what I do? Mm -hmm. How can I roll it out where it makes sense for these other brands who maybe don't have the resources to put a photo shoot together, but they still need to roll out digital content where I'm like, Hey, I'm your girl. I can do it all for you. You worry about designing your dresses, running your boutique, whatever you need to do. And I'll worry about the visual and creating that for you. Mm So, um, last year was growth. I mean, I had two months that were quiet and it was like gangbusters. I had my best month in September, like a record breaking month of like just income and everything. And I just was not expecting that in 2020. And I just rebranded and um, designed my website and everything last month. Mm-hmm. I had my blog, Charleston Shop Curator and andreaserrano.com separate andreaserrano.com was all my styling stuff. And so I merged all of that stuff together. And so now I have a clear, more clear picture mm-hmm. and package when either I'm approaching a client or they're approaching me and I can just kind of roll it out. This is all my services. This is what I do. And I just, um, I had a lot of clarity last year, I think. So it gave me it for me, I saw a lot of silver linings and it was a blessing. And I kind of, you know, turn it around to my advantage where it was personal growth for me and really tuning into my personal power. Mm-hmm. And I would agree because, you know, through this pandemic, there has been a lot of people that, have been, have seen a lot of the negative and are kind of stuck in this, like, well, this is happening to me. I can't go outside. I can't do this. I couldn't do that. My life is over or whatever. People have been very dramatic about it, which is understandable because, you know, this pandemic is very serious and people should take it very seriously. However, the positive aspect of it is like you just described, you've had that time to sit down and really just map out how you want to go about your business and how you want to brand yourself and how you want to, you know, expand your blogs and do all of these things. And I feel like that's something that's really important for a lot of people to take in is that people have had time to do things. You know, we're so hustle and bustle and everything, and we don't really have time to stop and think, enjoy our family. You know, we've had a lot of people been having time to enjoy their family, to sit and improve their businesses. So, yeah, that's that's awesome that you've been able to kind of sit and assess it and really just take it all in to expand, you know, your brand. So I think that's. Yeah. And I want to I want to see other businesses be successful. I think that's a part of my business that is you know, I wouldn't say different, but I just, I really look at other people's businesses differently now. And I'm just like, well, maybe you can improve that and maybe you can do that, you know? So I do a little bit of business consulting, whether it's like on the digital side or marketing or whatever. And I really, I, I'm a small business champion because I've been there before. I've had a brick and mortar during, you know, um, financial, not a, you know, different kind of crisis, more of like a financial crisis then. Um, but so I've been through it. And so I have a lot of empathy for them. And I just want to see small businesses grow and thrive. And not everybody has that business model where they can do that during the pandemic. So people have to get creative, right? And we have to pivot and we have to adapt and we have to get ready to, you know, when things think about like, 
in the, you know, the early 1900s when the Spanish flu was happening and then boom, it was the roaring 20s. Like, I really think that's going to happen for us. You know, once people get their vaccines and we kind of get into some kind of normalcy, I don't think we'll be back to zero, you know, uh, people getting COVID, but I think that we're going to get back to some kind of normalcy um, for us. And things are going to, you know, people are ready. People are ready to celebrate. And, you know, it's it's going to look differently. But, you know, we just have to get ready for that moment because people want to spend their money, too. Mm-hmm. So just think about, you know, just just try to be forward thinking about where you think the direction is going and and don't try to focus on the fear and what you don't have. Think about what is the opportunity that I'm not seeing that other people are already thinking about right now. Mm-hmm. Look at the opportunity. Don't look at, you know, like what is setting me back, but look, look at what is going to catapult me to the next phase. Absolutely. So when you were working in New York City, I know it's a lot of hustle and bustle at all times. So how did you deal with that on a daily basis? How did you deal with the, the you know, hustle and bustle in New York City? So New York is styling and working in New York was so different because I didn't have a car. You know, I relied on public transportation. Um, and some, some days it would be it would be, say, like five o'clock on a Friday. There was this is pre Uber. Right. So five o'clock is when all the taxi cabs turn. And so there's like less cabs that are out there. It's snowing or it's raining. And I've got like 10 shopping bags and like three garment bags that I'm holding on to. And I'm trying to hail a cab at the same time. <laughs> You know, you definitely get thrown. I, that's why I call it fashion boot camp. You are thrown in these situations and you're just like on survival lo- mode. And I think that's why I don't stress out about work mm-hmm. as much as maybe other people do, because it's like you just got to take a deep breath and just know that it's going to be OK in the end. You know, and you just have to be strategic about your day and how you how you work and how you do things. So New York was a great, you know, kind of like training zone for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get into my next segment and I'm going to call it top five, uh, top five vibes. And you tell me your top five choices from each of these categories. So what is the top five music, musical artists that you're listening to right now? Oh my gosh. Like current. Okay. So I always say this, I'm stuck in the eighties and the nineties. <laughs> That's okay. I love my 80s and 90s music. I just, I can't get, I, I love new stuff too. Are you asking like a current artist or an you older artist? Whatever you want it to be. Who's your top five? Oh my gosh. I would have to say like Shaka Khan. I just love her voice. Yes. I love her style, her everything. Her music is amazing from like her earlier stuff to like, you know, she did some recent stuff like a few years ago. I just, I love the classics. You know, I love Diana Ross. I love disco, you know, anything that has a good vibe and happy and that I can dance to, I'm all about it. Yes. So Top five brands for purses. Like, who are we wearing on our arm when we pre-pandemic, when everybody was able to go outside? Who who are we rocking? What brands are we rocking? Oh, so I was supposed to list five people, right? Yes, five people. Artists. I'm sorry I didn't list five the first. I've got so many (laughs) products I love. Okay, so like pre-pandemic, what people were carrying. Mm -hmm. Or are you carrying? What was your top five choices? 
Okay. So because I love supporting small businesses, you know, I've got a bag from um, Beck Bags. They're out of um, kind of like the Raleigh area of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And they're these gorgeous leather bags that come in all different shapes and sizes. And she's got artists that are like drawing on them and all kinds of cool things. So I have a lavender one, which is like my brand color. So I wear it all the time. Um, Taxidermy is another local brand. And she uses mostly like snake skins uh, to do her bags and you can customize it. It's like going on the Nike website where you can like choose different skins and colors and all of that stuff. So, okay. So taxidermy. Oh my God. And like my, my dream bags, gosh, there's so many. I mean, as far as like designer bags, there's, you know, uh, Chloe and Balmain and there's just so many. I can't. I guess the first ones that come to mind are like the realistic ones to me and the ones that I like to wear a lot. There's also another brand called Neely and Chloe and they make like really cute, like little clutch bags and things like that. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say those. <laughs> I don't okay. know. If I so, um, top five do's and don'ts in fashion. Top five do's and don'ts. So basically I would say dress for your body type, you know, just because you see it on someone else doesn't always mean that it's going to look good on you. Um, (laughs) I would say if you can't decide on a color, go with black. Black looks good on everybody and black is very slimming. Yes. Um, Another one is, I don't know, I'm really into monochromatic dressing right now. Mm -hmm. Like, so one look head to toe, and it's actually something that elongates your body. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's that saying, like, wear the same color shoes as your pants, and then your legs will look longer. Well, I think it works from, like, head to toe if you're wearing the same color. You know, obviously pick a color that looks good on you. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, you know, if, if you like to play on the safe side, um, pick a statement, something statement, shoes, mm-hmm. statement, earrings, something like that. I know these are more tips than do's and don'ts. Um, so just, you know, focus on that because I think sometimes people get a decision fatigue and they don't know what the first thing that they want to wear. And I always start with like, if it's a new pair of shoes that I got, you know, I'll start dressing from like my feet up, that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think of a don't. another don't um I guess you know ill-fitting clothes I think that's like my biggest don't like people who just don't realize that they're wearing pants that are too tight or clothes I mean if that's the look I was gonna say clothes that are too baggy I know that's like the look Mm -hmm. I like you know kind of more a tailored look. Mm -hmm. Um, but just kind of, like I said before, dressing for your body type, just being Mm self-aware of your body type and knowing what looks good and what doesn't. And sometimes less is more. You don't want to reveal everything. Exactly. I would agree. Mm -hmm. So top five fashion, I mean, top five clothing brands that you like to wear. Top five clothing brands. Um, I'm like looking at my Alice and Olivia, purple suit over here. I call it my Prince purple suit. Um, I love her clothes because it's very vibrant and colorful and mixing up with 
patterns in Shulto and kind of like an 80s vibe and a 70s vibe, anything that is kind of like inspired from the past. Mm-hmm. I love that, but remixed into something that's suitable for today. Mm-hmm. So that's that's definitely a brand. Um, like I mentioned before, Morph is great. Um, my friend, uh, Erica Pena. And again, these are all small brands that I'm kind of talking about right now. Erica Pena, she is um, based in Bali. We went to school in Miami. Mm-hmm. And she also has some dresses that are convertible. And it's all very good, like bohemian and gypsy and flowing and just goddess. Like, that's the first word that comes to mind when I see her clothing and where I wear it. You just feel like a goddess. Mm-hmm. Um, how many is that? Three, four? That was three, I believe. Yes. Okay. So another brand, Buru, that I really like. They're actually, um, I think they're out of LA. They're definitely out of California. Um, and she's a mother of three and she um, just designs the most fun clothing. Um, you know, it's colorful. Sometimes there's sequins, sometimes there's fringe, sometimes she's mixing pattern and it's um, affordable and attainable. Like I don't think anything's over $200. So that's what I'm all about. I'm all about affordable fashion that makes you look like you're a million bucks and that's attainable and it's a small business. That's very important for me, for sure. I'm looking at my clo- <laughs> my outdoor closet right now. So you got a lot um, of options. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff. And then, okay, shout out to um, Royal Native. She is out of New York. Um, I think out in Long Island and she's like a surfer mom and she designs clothing. She's an um, African wax print and uh, like all of her clothing, you know, material textiles. And it's just very vibrant and she mixes patterns and like she makes overalls and, you know, these like pants that are fitted, but they're kind of baggy. And it's just, um, I really love her stuff. So that's Royal Native out of New York. So who are we wearing on our feet when it comes to fashion? Who, who are we wearing? Who am I wearing? Oh my gosh. So I'm a sucker for some Zara. Oh, I don't know if you ever shop on Zara online, but like they just kill it with the shoes. Again, it's like affordable fashion, but it's very, you know, it could, it's very like high end looking. So I love Zara. You know, I've got like so many shoes from them. Like it's, it's definitely a problem. My shoes are overflowing out of my closet and I love sneakers. So I love like a really good high heel. And then on the opposite spectrum, I love a sneaker. So, you know, Adidas, Vans, Nike, anything that's colorful and flashy. I'm all about it. And you had your, um, you did have your boutique called Sweet Soul, which was a sneaker yeah. boutique. So yeah, it's only, it makes perfect sense of why you would love sneaker, yeah. sneaker head. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So, okay. Let's see. What would you say are your top five for jewelry? Top five for jewelry. Again, I'm going to be talking about local designers, small businesses. So my friend, Laura from Margarita Mott, she makes beautiful jewelry out of oyster shells. So oysters are huge down here in Charleston in the low country. And so she goes on the battery and she finds them. And so she has this new technique where she works with resin. So Mm -hmm. she gets oyster shells and she like mashes them up into little pieces and she uses gold foil and she creates this resin jewelry where it looks like the shells and the gold foil are kind of like floating Mm -hmm. in this resin. 
And so love her stuff. There's another designer, um, Sunbow, where it's all hammered gold jewelry that looks beautiful when it's layered. Um, I'm wearing earrings from um, J. Melissa Designs and she makes beautiful stuff, whether it's like beaded, um, you know, gold wired, silver wired. Uh, and then she gives back like a portion of her proceeds to a village in Africa. I forgot the name of the village um, to help build a school out there. So I love a brand that gives back to you. You know, I love supporting those brands. That's three. Um, another brand, uh, Women Shops World. She is out of Columbia, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And she's got tons of accessories that she sources and she designs all over the world from like Africa to um, Thailand to like all over the world to India. And so I really love that kind of like global international look where it's layered and it's colorful and things like that. Um, another brand that's local is Moonseed. Um, you would love her stuff. It's very graphic and modern, and she uses a 3D printer to create these graphic earrings, and then she paints them. Sometimes she paints them with gold paint, wow. and it's just very modern, lightweight, and and again, affordable. Everything's under I think forty or fifty dollars. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Yes. I need some gold jewels and stuff. So yes. Yes. (laughs) So, okay. Now let's go into fashion tips for the season. So what fashion tips would you give for uh, winter, spring, fall, and summer? Okay. Gotcha. So now that we're going into spring um, and the lifestyle that we're living is definitely, um, you want to have fun. You want to have fun with color. You know, we've been through, you know, the winter blues where, you know, it's darks and grays and muted tones and everything like spring and summer is really your time to shine and be vibrant. You know, yellow is a big color that's trending for spring. Mm -hmm. So, um, and yellow symbolizes happiness and warmth and everything. So yellow isn't for everybody. You have to find the right tone of yellow, whether it's warm or cool that works for your skin tone. And I know more people are getting tans and are already tan, you know, and in these spring months. So, um, I would say color is big for spring. Mm-hmm. And then going to the summer too, depending on where you live, you know, here in Charleston, it gets very hot and you, you almost want to wear next to nothing, mm-hmm. you know, when you go outside. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, uh, think about fabrics like cotton and linen and, and bamboo and things like that. That's what you want to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you can't go wrong with a dress, whether it's a maxi dress or like a shorter, you know, knee length dress something like that. And again, like infuse color, you know, color is always going to be big for spring and summer. Um, And I think for fall, you know, we're definitely seeing, like I said before, this resurgence of like the seventies. So, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's um, so much like gypsy boho. It's a little bit more polished, things like that. You know, there's a lot of um, belted, you know, accentuating the waist, you know, the waistline is being accentuated. So, um, I would say definitely it's going to be a little bit of a throwback mm-hmm. for fall and then going into the winter too, you know, it's going to be lots of layers. It's going to be prints. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, th- things like that and always looking polished and put together, you know, there was more of this, like, you know, we want the belt to match the shoes. There's a lot more coordination that's happening with belt bag and shoes and that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. 
So, okay, I hear this from a lot of people that I know, which is what fashion tips would you give for someone that doesn't know how to shop for a guy? Like a lot of my friends say, okay, I want to give my boyfriend this really cool gift for a Valentine's Day, their birthday, you know, the holidays, and they don't really know what to, what to get them. And a lot of their boyfriends don't really have a sense of style. So what fashion tips would you give a, um, someone who's trying to get something for their significant other that doesn't really know, that doesn't really have much style? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I know there's a lot of men out there who need help in that department. I think the biggest thing is like creating a mood board, you know, before you go shopping and you buy a bunch of stuff for your man, you want to make sure that's really something that he's going to wear. You want to help elevate, you know, his style too. So, you know, Pinterest is your friend, go on Pinterest and see what they have there. You know, just create a mood board. Like, is he sporty? Is he, you know, um, you know, more polished, you know, bespoke tailored? Is he casual? You know, is he like, does he like a throwback? You know, what, what just really hone in on his style. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's great places like, um, like online, you know, monthly services, like it's a membership thing, like Menlo, where it's $60 a month and you fill out this questionnaire and you figure out, you know, what is your style profile? And your man gets sent, you know, most likely it's going to be clothes that they like because they filled out this style profile. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what my husband does. And it's amazing. You know, he doesn't even have to think about what am I going to buy? What am I going to wear? It just comes in the mail every, you know, every month. That's convenient. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. So, okay. You moved to Charleston, North uh, South Carolina in 2004 with your husband, Gustavo, and you opened yeah. clothing boutiques. You ended up having two lovely children. So what was the fashion scene then in Charleston as compared to now? Yes. So it was very, um, we knew there was a scene, but we weren't sure. Mm-hmm. Um there's always going to be like the preppy look here, right? We're in the South and it's Charleston, everything. So, um, but we knew that there was like stylish hip kids out there too. So when we came here, we were like hoping there was like this community of like fashion lovers that would have flocked to our store. And we did find them, whether they were college kids or young professionals. And at that time, like online shopping wasn't big. So these people really had no place to go. I think there was one other store that sold men's and women's um, streetwear, streetwear clothing, but we were kind of a lifestyle boutique where we sold music and we sold art books. And like, we were kind of giving you like a well-rounded kind of, um, lifestyle package of cool things that you might want to buy. And so we were surprised to find out like it was, it was surprising, like how many cool kids were out there who wanted to shop with us. And Charleston's definitely become more cosmopolitan. We have people who are moving in from bigger cities, New York, LA, Chicago, Boston, who already have a great sense of style. And so they're definitely bringing a lot of flavor to Charleston. I would say like, out of all the Southern cities, I mean, I haven't been to Austin um, or Nashville, I think, you know, and we're always being named for, you know, most stylish city in the South and stuff like that. You know, people care about what they wear here. If, If you're going downtown and out, like you better look around because people are stepping it up and they're looking good. So you have to bring your A game when you go out in Charleston. Thanks to you, Andrea.
Oh, I can't take credit. <laughs> so, okay, what made you want to move out there? I mean, New York City was just so, you know, fast paced and that's like the fashion. Yeah. And then Charleston is just like kind of like a sleepy city, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. what what is but what made you want to move there? So um, my brother was already living here at the time um, and he, he still lives here and he has a chiropractic office. And so we would always come down from New York and it was very sleepy then. I mean, there was nothing going on, but we just knew we had a feeling we're like, this place is going to blow up. You know, it's like they've got this cute little historic downtown and then you've got, you know, two different beaches that are like 15 minutes away from downtown. Um, the weather's great. If you like humidity, the weather's great. And I like humidity. Uh, We just knew that and the food is great. Uh, We just knew it was going to blow up one day. And it has like every year we're named number one city in a Condon Nash Traveler magazine and Travel Leisure magazine. So we get a lot of press in Charleston. So everybody wants a vacation here or they want to move down here. Mm -hmm. So, okay, I know that you're also a host for Charleston's uh, low, uh, low country fashion style show. And you're, yeah. you do fat, you host fashion Fridays. Yes. So what is the day in life like for you? What is, what is your day consist of? We get up, we get breakfast, we meditate. Like, what is your day like when you start? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, uh, usually I train, well, a couple days a week, I meet with a trainer and we work out, you know, I have to start my day doing some kind of physical activity for myself. And it's also a mental thing too. Mm -hmm. You know, I need just like an hour where it's for me. So either I'm doing yoga or bar at home or I'm with my trainer. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I like to have like a healthy, you know, late breakfast. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm working on a photo shoot, you know, I'm, I'm pulling the clothes either the day before, or if it's an afternoon photo shoot, I'm pulling the clothes, you know, that morning and going on set and dressing models and all of that. Um, if I'm working from home and doing digital work, either I'm blogging or I'm having zoom meeting with clients and things like that. Um, I could be on my computer for like eight hours a day, you know? And so it's important for me to have those breaks, you know, whether I'm with my family or with my friends and things like that. Um, but I think that's the beauty of my job. And what I love is every day is so different. And, you know, some people like the consistency of knowing what they're doing every day. I don't even know what I'm doing, you know, next week, you know, a photo shoot can pop up. I've got a photo shoot that's like contingent that's happening next week. And so I kind of, I always find myself with busy work and projects that I am planning for. So no matter what, like I'm doing stuff, I'm not eating bonbons in front of the TV. If I have a free break, I am always hustling. I'm always working on something. That's awesome. So you love the hustle and bustle. Yes. (laughs) So you were cut out from New York city, essentially. Yes. (laughs) So, okay. I'm going to call this next segment. Uh, vibe selection diary. And so what I want you to do for this is give me a diary entry. And I want you to tell me knowing, think of a young Andrea Serrano, Andrea Serrano, and think of how there were certain things that have transpired in your life that you wish that you would have known then that you don't, that you would have known now that you know now that you wish you would have known then. So what are some experiences or lessons from you getting onto the scene of fashion that you wish you would have known then than you know now? And then tell me what you're wearing. So like the day, what you're wearing on that particular day, 
and then the lesson that you learned? Oh my gosh. Well, uh, remembering what I wore that day is pretty hard. Okay. So actually I can remember this because I have a picture I actually posted on my Instagram recently. Um, it was when I was in, um, London and we were working with Janet Jackson and I was working for this stylist. That was very tough. You know, like I mentioned, the devil wears Prada moment. And the pressure was really high to make sure that everything went well. And there was lots of room for mistakes because um, the shoot was supposed to be in Milan and it got like switched to London last minute. So we had, um, for example, we had pulled Christian Dior from the showroom in Milan. And then we went to London and we were pulling from Christian Dior from the showroom there and from the Christian Dior store. So we were pulling, you know, the same designer from stores and showrooms. And I had to make sure like everybody that it was organized and everybody was getting their stuff back. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, obviously we had the pressure of working with Janet Jackson on these big photo, this big photo shoot and making sure everything went well. And I was managing a friend and assistant of mine that I hired on who is Italian and she spoke French. And so it was really important for me knowing that I was going to Milan, that I had an Italian speaking person working with me. So I had the pressure of being this person's assistant, but also managing my friend who was, you know, also helping me out as a stylist. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like the shoot went well and everything. And, you know, Janet was amazing. Um, And at the end of the day and the boss that I was working for, he was one of those people where it's like, you just do the work and I'm going to go here, that sort of thing. I'm not that kind of boss. I am all in. I'm a team player. I am there from beginning to end, you know, like no job is too small for me. And so here we were, me and my friend, like packing up, like it was, I can't even tell you how many racks of clothes it was. And I was definitely, I was stressing out. It was a big job. And looking back, you know, I was in my uh, early 20s. I was probably like 21, 22. And that was a lot of pressure for a young person. Um, Just not really knowing my self-worth at the time. And I should have probably told my boss, look, we need a full day to pack up this stuff. We need like an extra day to pack it up and make sure that everything is going to the right place because there were mistakes. We were trying to like do things so fast and so quickly and it wasn't well thought out. And looking back, I should have like stepped out of that situation and being stressed and, oh my God, I've got to do all this now and really looked at the situation and been strategic and been like, no, we need another day to do this, to get the job done because we will pay for our mistakes later on. And it's going to take us more time to fix those mistakes and send this dress from Milan to London and this and that. So just looking back, I wish I just would have known to, to, to speak up. You know, I didn't speak up when I was younger Mm -hmm. and I was wearing, so I was wearing, it was really nothing fancy. And again, it was like the baggy pant face. So I was probably wearing like, I was wearing tan cargo pants with like a black button up shirt that was a little tighter. And I had short hair. I had a bob and I had short bangs. 
I was a mess, girl. I thought I looked cool then, but I was looking at the pictures and I'm like, I look like dumb and dumber. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I was dressing like a man or something. I don't know what I was wearing that day. I've had plenty of those moments too. Like, girl, why did you put that on? Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay. Right? So, okay. Um, what do we have currently in the works? Because I know you're, like you said, you're always working on something. Yeah. You always kind of got your hands in all these different pots. Yeah. But what do we have working on right now? So right now I am working on a couple different things. I've got a shoot with, um, there's a real estate development here. It's a luxury um, living called the Jasper. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be producing and styling the shoot for them. And that is going to be like you know, more kind of luxury, high-end sort of a thing. And I'm excited to, you know, cast the models and do all of that. And the team is going to be really great. So I've got that coming up. And then I'm doing an influencer kind of um, blog feature on them as well, because they are all about the community and the local boutiques and restaurants. Mm -hmm. And uh, I work with another company called Freshfields Village and it's like outdoor shopping and dying and everything. And so I'm going to be producing a lifestyle shoot for them and it's going to be video and photography and I'm going to be styling and casting it and coordinating the shoot. Um, trying to think what else, I mean, I'm constantly working with morph clothing, whether it's, um, digital content or making connections or just thinking about, you know, what product lines to introduce, you know, different, you know, fabrics and things like that, just ideas. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I'm constantly working on. And, uh, like I said, you know, these projects come up last minute. I might get a call, you know, today for a shoot. Are you available next week? Um, but definitely working on a few different projects that I'll be rolling out in the next couple of months. That sounds awesome. I'll be on a lookout for all of that. Yes. Yeah. So since it is Women's History Month, who are some women that inspire you in your life currently, previously, could be anything? What women inspire you the most? Yeah. So um, currently, gosh, I, I would have to say the women that I'm surrounded by, I've got a couple of core women. Um, oh, God, I've got more of them than that. Uh, but my friend, Julianne Taylor, she is a business coach and she has just got, she's just so business savvy. She always knows what to do and what to say. If I'm ever in question about anything, I always contact her. She kind of helped me with my rebranding and really like digging deep about like who I am and my brand and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Chrissy, the designer of Morph Clothing, she's just wonderful and just always a source of inspiration and motivation. Um, and I have like my New York friend uh, who lives here now, Laura, which, you know, she's my support system when it comes to kids and raising them. Um, and some, sometimes you have like your work friends and sometimes you have like your friends, friends who've known you from back in the day. And sometimes they're both right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I have friends in all different pockets and different worlds. And, you know, I have some friends, you know, what they do for a living, whether it's mindset coaching or business coaching, I'm lucky that I can, you know, text them or call them if I ever need help, you know, and obviously if I need to hire them for services, I will do that as well. But I'm just lucky that I'm surrounded by women who are strong. They know what they want out of life and they go for it and, and they ask for it too. You know, they're not afraid to ask. 
And that's very important. So you have women in your life that are go-getters, that are very supportive. So you have a very good support system when it comes to women in your life. And I think that's important for a lot of people to realize, too, because I feel like a lot of the stigma is that a lot of women are catty and that we can't always get along, you know. But this definitely proves that, yes, we can, in fact, get along and we definitely are go-getters and we don't have to wait on anybody to give us handouts. We are definitely strong enough to do that. So, yeah. So, and beautiful things happen when we support each other. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So lastly, do you feel like you found your life's purpose? I feel like a lot of people go through life and they're just kind of like, I don't know what I should do, you know, whatever. But do you feel like you found your life's purpose? Purpose. Absolutely. I I really think so. Um, Like I mentioned before, you know, like, being able to say I've been doing this for 25 years. And obviously there's been a a lot of evolution of what I do, but the core of what I do is very fulfilling for me and knowing that I'm helping people in a different, in a way where I'm not saving lives. Right. Mm. But my job is to make people feel beautiful from the inside out and maybe pointing out things that they have not seen within themselves Mm. and making sure that they look and feel their personal best. Like that's my end goal. And that's very fulfilling for me. And the fact that I can do that with fashion is just like a beautiful thing. It's the, it's the winning combination for me. So I, I'm never going to get sick of this. This, this is going to be my thing. Um, and even when I get to the level where I'm a little bit more hands off and I'm directing more than actually doing all the time, um, that's still going to be the core basis of, of who I am. And I'm all about community for sure. Absolutely. And you are saving lives. You're the fashion police. When he's not called 911. <laughs> saving them. that person. Resuscitating them. <laughs> yeah. Well, perfect. So let everybody know, Miss Andrea, Andrea, where they can find you, connect with you on your social media handles and your website. So my website is andreaserrano.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-A-S-E-R-R-A-N-O. And then my social media handles, because somebody already had Andrea Serrano, is Andrea Serrano Curates, C-U-R-A-T-E-S, because I curate a little bit of everything, fashion, lifestyle, music, whatever. Jack of all. (laughs) Yes. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to be able to have you on. And for everybody else, you can connect with me on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney. Or if you'd like to pick up any vibe selection merchandise, you can grab that at www.teespring.com slash vibe selection. Thank you all for joining me once again. If you do like this video, you can hit the like and subscribe button and make sure you hit the notification bell so that you'll be able to be notified on the latest from Vibe Selection. Once again, I'm your host, Kyra Mahoney, and I'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining Vibe Selection with Kyra. Come vibe out with us again next time and hear the latest on today's hot topics. Find us on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney or donate at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection.